I'm Ed Satterfield, executive pastor here at Third, and glad to be able to be bringing God's Word this morning. We are in the fourth week of our series that we are focusing on the metaphors that God has given us in the Scriptures about the church, what is our identity and our character, and we called it uh, Welcome, the Call to Community and Mission. Uh, we are uh, exploring that, and we've had uh, weeks where we talked about the first name was the household, uh, sort of being a, the family of God together. Uh, second week, the temple, uh, being a building that God is shaping together into a holy temple. And last week, salt and light. We're continuing that theme of being um, uh, salt and light this week with another metaphor called the field. And we're reading from 1 Corinthians and John 15 this morning. That's on page 10 in your bulletin, or you can uh, read it on the screen. Let's hear God's Word. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Then from John 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as also I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we ask that your word would communicate what you want us to hear today. We pray that you would, by your spirit, uh, bring it not only for our understanding, but for our transformation. Make us more like you. Uh, give us new life. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're God's field. That uh, doesn't sound quite as resonant as salt and light. It's a little less uh, familiar to us, not quite uh, as gripping a concept, uh, but the Scriptures really do talk about uh, the, that His people are His field. And I suppose if I had given you a, a little test before we started this series and we listed all the metaphors that we're going to be studying during this series, uh, you probably wouldn't have checked off uh, God's field as one of the key metaphors that Scripture uses, but it is. And it's somewhat inaccessible to us because not many of us are uh, famous gardeners or farmers, uh, but it's a pretty simple concept. Uh, we're, fields are meant to grow things, to be fruitful. And so uh, as we've read this passage, it is something that seems pretty familiar to us. But as we study it this morning, we want to take time to really grasp uh, some key things that we need to understand more fully. First, that uh, we want to understand how growing is our purpose. Second, we want to look at how we grow fruitful together 
And thirdly, we want to understand how to grow from our source. So first, let's look at growing as our purpose. Jesus uses the image of the vine in John chapter 15, which is a common picture of Israel that's used throughout the Old Testament. It's a uh, typical way in which uh, this idea of uh, God's planting that is Israel is described. So uh, it's particularly done in the prophets. And in verse 8, Jesus tells us what our purpose is, to bear fruit. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And bearing fruit has two different aspects that we're going to be talking about this morning. The first one is one that we're pretty familiar with, and that's the idea that we bear fruit as God's people. Uh, Those that follow Jesus are to be fruitful people. We're to experience wholeness in our lives. We're to experience transformation, our life being put back together, uh, healing, restoration, uh, wholeness uh, being part of our experience, sort of full and abundant life. That's what Jesus came to give us. So fruitfulness personally and corporately is readily accessible. But there's another aspect that is true throughout the Scriptures and true here in John 15 that's a part of this, and it's the addition of new people, additional people into that family, into that experience of fruitfulness. Uh, That addition is also bearing fruit, so that as the Scriptures talk about it, uh, we're to see new people brought into that same relationship of fruitfulness that we're experiencing. So in Scripture, at creation, God placed Adam and Eve in a field in the garden to live in dependent relationship with God. They worked that garden to bear fruit, and while they uh, multiplied uh, children and family, they were adding new lives into that same experience of a dependent, trusting relationship of fruitfulness with God and with one another. But we know the story that after they experienced this wonderful existence, they chose to abandon that trusting relationship with God. And the consequence of living apart from the vine, apart from the source of life, is characterized by brokenness and unfruitfulness. There was separation from God, envy, murder, the division of people from one another, separated by language and people groups. But God is at work to restore what he intended at creation. God commits himself to Abram and through him to, all, uh, to his descendants, which is the people of Israel, and through them to us who are part of grafted into the church. Um, he promises to restore that relationship of dependence and to bring about renewed fruitfulness. He promises Abram and his descendants that they would be blessed, that they would be made whole, that they would experience life in a a rich way so that they would be a blessing to the nations, so that others around them would see the rich life that they were experiencing and being drawn into that same relationship of fruitfulness and dependence in Christ. Jesus calls his disciples to that same purpose. Jesus' great commission is to make disciples of all the nations Uh, teaching them and instructing them so that they enter into the fullness of that new life that Christ has come to bring. And as Jesus' followers live that fruitful life out, they are also disciple makers. They are adding to the number of people that are experiencing that same relationship. The story of the Bible is full of talking about us as God's field, 
as that place where uh, God is nourishing and uh, enriching us so that we live a full life of fruitfulness, and that overflows and extends to draw others into that same life. But the story of the Bible is also a picture of God's people failing to fulfill that purpose, failing to live out that purpose. And Jesus' message to us this morning is to call us not only back into close connection with Him, the vine, but to our purpose as being fruit bearers. This is the front line of battle for us as followers of Jesus. We are called to the purpose of fruitfulness, but we've got lots of reasons for focusing on mostly half of it. It's easy for us to initially say, well, I'm, I'm good with that part about uh, me becoming whole and us maybe experiencing more of the fullness of what God designed for us, seeing broken places healed and places of, uh, uh, of deterioration restored. But we have a little harder time with the second part of what it means to be fruitful, which is extending ourselves to neighbors and to people around the world so that they might too be drawn into that same relationship of dependence, of trust, and fruitful life that Jesus has come to bring to all humanity. And you know, if you're like me, when you hear this idea of the the purpose of uh, being fruitful by adding new people in and by making disciples, it starts to get a little scary. And you think to yourselves, I I can't do that. I I wouldn't know where to start. I don't even know uh, if I've got it together enough to pass anything along. I need to grow a lot more before I can take that on. Or we might say to ourselves, I'm too overwhelmed right now just trying to make life work. I can't add that to everything else I'm dealing with. But here Jesus called. Um, he's calling us the fruitful life. And in, in fact, it's that pursuit that is actually going to do something about those concerns that we raise. We're structuring ourselves here at Third in our neighborhoods through parish groups to pursue this goal of being fruitful by connecting life with one another in those areas and by beginning to connect and enrich the lives of others around us in our neighborhoods. The structure part, we've got that going. It's moving. Uh, We've got a lot more to put together. That's the easy part. The hard part is our hearts. It's our readiness. Are we ready uh, for God to move us in a greater way, uh, to connect with our neighbors, to be more about others than just about ourselves, to have hearts that are ready to invest, to plant and water so that we can watch God do that amazing thing that He does of growth? The first step is to recognize, to firmly grasp that growing, being fruitful is our purpose, and it has those two aspects, our own growth and the growth in numbers of others added to that same experience. But a second step is knowing that we grow fruitful together. This metaphor is a corporate metaphor of God's field, uh, the vine that's described. There's one vine and there are many branches. We're all part of the same genus and having life that flows through to us from the source, which is Jesus. We're all connected, and our growth happens together. It doesn't happen as a little separated pieces. And in fact, this section would tell us that if we separate ourselves off, we're not going to grow. We're going to be good for nothing but to be thrown away. I did a little consultation with our resident um, orchard person, Don Smith. He's sitting over here to get a little bit of experience since I'm not uh, much of a gardener. But uh, one of the things that uh, we talked about was that many species of plants and trees 
have to be plants, planted in proximity for, to one another so that the pollination would happen so that their, their fruitfulness would be rich, enriched by uh, being together. You don't plant just one row of corn. It won't grow that way. It has to pollinate itself by wind and insect for the fruitfulness of the crop. Another thing that uh, Don told me was that uh, close proximity of uh, companion plants, those are two different types of plants that would be planted near one another, uh, can often help attract beneficial insects and provide additional nutrients that repel pests as well. Uh, That kind of thing is uh, talking about the need for uh, being close to one another and illustrates, I think, what part of being uh, branches connected to the one vine uh, would convince us of. Connecting with one another for the purpose to live out the call to bear fruit is a critical step of heeding Jesus and following this uh, command and this call out. Fruitfulness is a corporate affair. It doesn't happen on, its, on our own. You know, the responsibility for getting the gospel out is not mine alone. Uh, I have a small part to play. You have a small part to play. And as 1 Corinthians tells us, you know, Paul, he, he um, planted. Apollos, he uh, watered. But neither of them were really anything, Paul says in that 1 Corinthians passage. It's really about God. And so, folks, the pressure's really off in terms of what we're called to be and do. We're called to play the small part of doing a little planting, a little, a little watering. And together, uh, we're sharing in different pieces and parts of that effort. So it's not as big an effort as we sometimes feel. Uh, as we join together, each one doing a little part, we get the incredible gift of watching God do what only He can do. We're small parts in the drama to see that great drama of watching God change and transform lives, bring darkness, uh, bring light from, into darkness, and to transform this world. So what are the small parts we can play? I've got a couple of them here just to mention as examples. First, being part of a community that is genuinely involved with and caring for each other is a profound thing. Connecting with one another in that way, you know, you and I caring for one another genuinely, it's going to help us grow. It's going to help us be supported as we share life together and uh, encourage one another. Uh, We're going to see that life uh, enriched and we'll be more fruitful. But one of the amazing things is that when a community like that is expressed um, and seen by others, it draws them in and draws them into that life themselves. That was my way of coming to know Jesus myself. Uh, I went one night to an open house with a bunch of Young Life leaders and um, others that were associated with Young Life. And in that one evening, it was incredibly life-transforming. And you know what happened? I met with, I talked with three people for an hour each. And in those conversations, there was a depth and genuineness of conversation where I knew that they really wanted to know me. And I knew that I was drawn into really wanting to know them. And we talked for a long time at a very deep and genuine level. And that was an experience of, of a whole community that was relating like that. And uh, you know, no one was playing some of the same kinds of games that we would often see at parties where people are sort of angling to connect with the person that they would like to connect with to give, get something from them or to receive something from them. There was real, genuine, deep, uh, rich life together. And that awakened me 
and I was ready to listen. I was ready to be a part. I was drawn in. I wanted to experience that kind of life. That's one way we can play a small part, just by genuinely loving and caring for one another. We will enrich one another's lives to be more fruitful, and it is going to be communicated to those around us to be drawn in as well. A second small way is to live vulnerably with one another. As repenters or as people who acknowledge your own sin and weakness to others around us so that really what will be seen is God at work, God's power being displayed and the difference that the gospel makes. This is a little bit of where pruning comes in to the equation that's mentioned uh, very prominently in this John passage. Uh, God is doing a work of pruning us. It's not always just for correction. There's some mystery to why he does what he does. But throughout history uh, for the church, it's been through difficult times and troubled places that the church has grown. Uh, you know the, the phrase, uh, the blood of the martyrs um, is the uh, seed of the church that is through persecution and through the observation that many people have of the genuine depth and hope that uh, believing people have as they are persecuted and killed that the church grows and expands. It's through times of difficulty that we might experience uh, as we open our lives to one another, showing our brokenness to one another, and uh, coming alongside one another to help and to support, to see real life and transformation take place. Those are places where God shows up and where His power is expressed in a powerful way uh, so that it can be seen and experienced. Times where the church looks to a place of deep need and brings its love and care and compassion and resource, proclaims loudly uh, the, the love of God to the world around us. I love the story of Becky Pippard, who was uh, one of the uh, leading evangelists for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship for a number of years. And she had tried to share her faith with one of her neighbors for many, many years. And, uh, you know, she's an expert. She's got the gift of evangelism, and nothing was happening. She did all the approaches that she knew how to do, and this woman was unmoved. But one night, after experiencing great pain and difficulty, knowing that her mother was near death, she came home and was just totally discombobulated, full of grief, full of sadness, full of pain. She couldn't even find her keys. Uh, couldn't even get in her apartment, and she's standing out there uh, just uh, a mess, and her neighbor comes by and says, what's going on, Becky? And uh, asked her to come into her apartment. And uh, for, for just, uh, you know, just a brief bit of time, uh, Becky just broke down, just poured out her pain, her grief, her difficulty. She was open and vulnerable before this woman. And that's really what brought this woman to herself. Uh, Becky ended up asking her later, you know, what was it that I said that really sort of turned the corner for you? And she said, nothing you ever said, Becky. It was, it was that night where I saw you broken because it's that place that I saw how much God gave you hope, how much he shored you up. I saw that he was real. I saw how tangible and how powerful he was in your life, and it awakened me to that. And I wanted to believe as well. So being vulnerable, acknowledging our sin, our brokenness, our weakness, and letting that be known is a way in which God uses it. That's a very small part. A last uh, comment I'll make about a small way that we can um, express this, uh, the small part that we can play, is by being a community that makes a difference in our neighborhoods. 
And again, we need to think much smaller than we often want to think. It could just be that a couple of neighbors that you just spend time genuinely caring for and investing in, just that small thing might make an incredible difference. I've known of neighborhoods that uh, became places where everybody knew everybody else because a few people had made that kind of commitment and investment, and they brought others into it. And so the whole neighborhood was a place where people were genuinely known, they were connected with one another, and love and genuine caring was taking place. Where it could be that just joining together to find a hurting place in our neighborhood community where we can find a way to bring the resources and the care and compassion of Christ uh, to bear on that particular situation can make a huge difference. Doing that together is really powerful. There are many things that I would uh, never do if it were just left up to me. And one of those things would I would never go to Ireland and share my faith on a street corner. But because uh, my church had connections to partners who were living in Dublin, who had been there for a while, and we committed ourselves to go together, and we prepared ourselves, and, and uh, we sort of hung on to each other as we went. Uh, we were a small team of people that together, uh, I ended up going four times with different teams. But because I was part of a larger team, because I was doing my teeny small part, I, I had the courage to go and do something that I'd never thought I would ever do. Um, and again, we're far more effective, we're far more courageous when we do it together than we would do it apart. Uh, we bring to bear uh, the different gifts and resources that we have, as well as just the, um, the encouragement and support to be taking on something challenging. So one of the questions for us this morning is, are you ready to break new ground, as we heard sung earlier? Will you consider joining a really great adventure? Will you connect with 15 to 25 others in your neighborhood? just to start living out some of the practices together, to connect yourself more deeply to the vine, to connect yourself more deeply in a genuine, caring relationship with others in your neighborhood, and then to join together to begin to pray and explore ways that you can begin to connect with neighbors, and to begin to do those small parts that you might play to make a difference, and see them drawn in, added uh, to, the, to the field that God has planted, and just watch what God will do. Lastly, we need to grow from our source and continue to remind ourselves. This metaphor is obvious in the message that we receive from John 15. We must grow from the source of life, which is Jesus. If we're not connected to the vine, we're not going to grow. We're not going to have life. We'll have no chance to bear fruit, either personally or in the neighborhoods in which we live or in the world that we seek to reach. John 15 continually uses this word, remain, you see it there about four times. Uh, it's also translated in other places as abide, or uh, it's uh, also translated sometimes dwell. And, but behind that word is this idea of energetic, determined commitment to be in close connection with Jesus. That's what we need as uh, connection to the vine. And how do we do this? Uh, there's a couple of things I'll mention, uh, many of which you know. Uh, to use the means of grace that God has given us. He's given us the Scriptures, to have Jesus' Word, to, to read it, to study it, to meditate on it, to even memorize it, uh, to use prayer, to speak to God and interact with Him, to let Him interact with us through prayer, to use the, the gifts of the sacraments. We do that personally. We do that corporately. 
as we seek to live uh, connected in community with other believers, to live out those rhythms of our upward relationship with God, our inward relationship with one another, and our outward relationship to see God bear fruit with others around us. Colossians 3 tells us, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, and that's us corporately, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts toward God. We encourage one another in growing and bearing fruit as we gather together. The last thing I'll mention in terms of uh, one way that we, uh, how to connect with our source is by experiencing God at work, by uh, trying some things, by taking a step in the, in the venture. Uh, God is amazing, and there's nothing that will give you more encouragement, more strength, more vigor to grow and be fruitful than to see God at work. Stephen Covey, you've probably heard this uh, description. Uh, he tells us that the crucial or important things are often crowded out uh, by the urgent things, and the advice is to always work to build into your life the crucial, the important You have to sometimes squeeze out some urgent things and make sure that you fit this in because it's absolutely central and important. We have a lot going on in our lives, but Jesus is calling us to that one important thing, the essential thing, to stay connected to him and his work, to see him and experience uh, him being uh, the one who is a life changer in our own experience as well as our community experience as well as in our neighborhoods. Some of you have experienced this. When you've seen someone move from unbelief to faith, or when you've seen someone come from a place of darkness into light, you've seen ways in which God has brought a transformation that is amazing, where people have been in um, a place of a lifestyle pattern, an addiction that has captured them, and by God's grace, they are freed to be a new person. When you see that, it enlivens your faith. It causes you to have great hope and encouragement. It convinces you that the gospel's real, that God's real, that he is, in fact, making things new. I've had the joy of watching my father change um, and continue to recount that story. Uh, He changed from being an overworked, frustrated man who uh, was very committed to his family. That's a great thing. But I, I watched his life as he became connected to Jesus the vine to be a part of uh, the, the, the field that God was building, to experience great fruit, fruitfulness, to a person who was uh, full of joy and who take, took great risks to share his faith, uh, even with some work associates, you know, to change the way you related to somebody for 20 years and then to try to share the gospel with them and you never talked about that before, a powerful thing. And in fact, saw some of them Uh, come near to Jesus. That transformation brings joy to me. It brings strength. It brings vigor. makes me want to continue to trust Jesus because I saw what he can do. You know, that's a powerful reality when we uh, actually see God at work. It feeds and fuels our faith. So, family of God, your purpose, together with your brothers and sisters in Christ, is to bear fruit to grow together, to be living out the fullness and wholeness of what Jesus is wanting to do in us, to bring life and transformation, to experience that together and, and to be those who are connecting with others, to draw them into that same experience and that same life. 
May God work that grace in us as we'll experience that to be our ultimate satisfaction and joy. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do give you thanks that you are uh, the vine who is, uh, you've worked to connect us to you. You've come to draw us into that relationship, to restore us to dependence and trust in you that gives life and makes us whole, that we would live abundant and fruitful lives. We thank you for that work of grace that you're committed to, and we pray, Father, that you would uh, invigorate us as your field to be connected with you, to be connected with one another, and to join together in seeing that reality more fully experienced in our lives and extended to those that we live near. We ask this through the, through the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.